for this last in a series of longer narratives from the Gospel of St. John that we hear in Lent. You're welcome to be seated for the hearing of the Gospel. This is from the Gospel according to John from the 11th chapter, beginning with the first verse. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, <clears throat> that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them about their brother. When Mary heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while well, Martha went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to Jesus. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were there with her in the house were consoling her, saw Mary get up and go quickly out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, 
Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I've said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. <clears throat> that Gospel story is one of the most popular and well-known stories that are told in the New Testament. And as I read it again this week, I began to wonder why that is true. I wondered what the unique appeal is in this story of Jesus coming to Bethany and raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. I'm sure that hope is at the center of that appeal, which is why this story is one of the most commonly ones chosen for funeral and memorial services. When Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, he is giving all of us something to hold on to in times of our deepest grief and sorrow. I imagine as well that the tenderness of this story is something also that causes people to be drawn to it. Because in this story, in Jesus, we meet a God who breaks down and cries with the people he loves. He doesn't just look at them with compassion. Jesus joins them in their grief and sheds tears of his own as they stand together in solidarity. And that is a very moving image of God. But in the end, I wonder if the greatest appeal of the story is the way that it invites listeners and hearers to see ourselves in the characters and to know that we are loved by God in the same way that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus and all of the others who appear in this narrative. Martha's a good example of a person that so many can identify with. 
When she sees that her brother is gravely ill, she and her sister send a message to Jesus. It makes me think of all the prayers that are sent to God at difficult times. God, we need you now. Our loved one is in trouble. We ask you to be with him or her. But in the story, Jesus doesn't drop everything and go to Bethany. Instead, he tarries in a way that is unexplainable and incomprehensible to Martha. He does get there eventually, but when he does, Lazarus is already dead. And that's when Martha says what millions of faithful people have said to God in one way or another. If you had been here, this would not have happened. It isn't a denial of Jesus' power or a breach of her ultimate trust in him. It's just raw human emotion getting expressed in a very honest way. And maybe you do know exactly what that's like. Maybe you have said or wanted to say the same thing to God. If you had been here, if you had done something, if you had used your power, this would not have happened. It's natural to think and to feel that way. And if we fear that God will be offended or that God will judge us or reject us when we do that, then we need to pay closer attention to the way that Jesus responds to Martha in the story. Instead of chastising her, Jesus invites her to come more deeply into the promise with him. Your brother will rise again, he tells her. Martha is reassured, but there is still more that she needs to hear and to trust. I can remember from my own journey what it was like to leave the funeral service of a loved one with the promise of life that comes after death and an emptiness still within me that needed to be filled in the here and now. And maybe you too know exactly what that is like. And it makes Martha's experience even more relevant. But note again how Jesus responds to that. He doesn't judge Martha for her incomplete grasp of a greater truth. Instead, he speaks even more promise to her and invites her to hold on to it with all of her heart. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says to her. So if you're with me, you already have what you need to be whole here and now. It's only natural that Martha's sister Mary would go through the same process as her sister. After all, she too was human and she too had the courage to share what was on her heart with a trusted friend. And we could say more about her, but I want to go to one other character in the story who reflects the experience of countless people, whether they see that right away or not. It may or may not surprise you that I am thinking of Lazarus. And when I say that, I'm not 
thinking about all the people who have had what they describe as near-death experiences, where they have the feeling of their uh, self being separated from their body in some way, and then being reunited and being brought back into life. What I'm talking about is all of the people who've had the very real experience of being separated from life itself because of forces that bind them and obstacles that stand in their way in the here and now. And when it's seen in that light, I wonder how many of you would say that you can identify very closely with Lazarus. This would be true if you have felt or feel like you are in a place that separates you from the life that God has given, from the light of God's love, from God's peace or God's joy or God's justice. It would be true if you have felt or feel bound by things like guilt or shame or self-hatred or addiction or fear or sadness or any of those layers upon layers of tightly wrapped constraints that others have put on you because of your gender or age or race or sexual orientation or spiritual beliefs or simply because of who you are as a child of God. If you can identify with any of that as you sit here today, then remember, too, with hope in your heart that Lazarus is the one who gets called by name here. Lazarus is the one who gets brought back out of that place of death into life, brought back into a community of people and brought back out into this life that God has given by the power of God in Christ. Lazarus, come out, Jesus says, to him and to all of you who hear that word today in a personal way. Come out and live in the fullness of God's love and peace and grace. And remember that you are never expected to do this on your own. This is God's power at work. And for me, one of the most powerful parts of this whole story is what comes at the very end. When Jesus turns to the whole community that is gathered there in Bethany and says to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus could have done that himself in the same way that he could have rolled away the stone from the tomb. But just as he commanded the people to do that, now he turns to all of them and says, you unbind him and let him go. He commands all of them to participate in that process of removing every layer of cloth that separated Lazarus from life. In a worship service at Holden Village in the Cascade Mountains, I saw this dramatized in a very moving way. During the homily, the preacher had a volunteer come and stand 
right beside her. And as she talked about all of the ways that people are wrapped up, separated, bound apart from life by forces from within and without, she began to wrap bands of cloth around this person until she was completely wrapped and bound. And then as she invited reflections on how God can use us as the people of God, as community, to unbind those who are being called back into life by Christ, people came forward one at a time and removed the cloths from her until that person was able to move freely again and take her place in the congregation. That's the vision that I have for us in this congregation. I know we fall short of that on many occasions because we are still bound in so many ways and still need to be set free ourselves. But whenever one person steps forward like Lazarus in the power of Christ, and whenever we as a people come forward to remove the cloths that still bind him or her, we all find new life together. And whenever any one of us is drawn like Mary and Martha into the deeper promises of God's love and grace, the words of Jesus become even sweeter. I am the resurrection and the life. He says to them and to all who have ears to hear,